Good morning. Oh, it is good to be here. I am Stephen Salvis. I'm one of the elders here. It is my privilege to continue uh, our series entitled The Christ-Centered Church, A Plea for Unity. It's been a wonderful weekend. Up oh, there they are. Thank you. Yesterday, Mike and Cassie were married uh, down at Swan Point Country Club. If you saw the um, weather forecast a week ago, uh, it wasn't good. Uh, they were calling for thunderstorms all week. We had a beautiful day, and it was such a uh, wonderful occasion. I just uh, am excited for them. They are a dear, dear couple and uh, pray for them as they enjoy uh, their honeymoon this week. Uh, here's our theme. Uh, and in the last couple of uh, weeks, as I've had the opportunity to preach, we've talked about the causes of division within the church. What causes disunity? And they are uh, two that Paul shares in, for, in the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians, self-centeredness and a quenching of the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. That's where we pick things up. If you recall last week, we talked about uh, the deeper truths of Scripture God wants you to know the deeper things. We'll talk about what that means in a little bit. But let's first look down at chapter 3. It's on page 953 in the Bible under the seat in front of you, if you would like to use that Bible there. Page 953. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now I'm going to confess something to you. I was very ambitious. Uh... When Dennis gave me the opportunity to preach, uh, he gave me six Sundays. And my goal was to get through the first six chapters of this letter. After week one, we had to add a week because we knew I wasn't going to make it. My goal today is to get through the entire chapter, uh, chapter three of uh, 1 Corinthians. The entire chapter. I'm telling you now it's not going to happen. <laughs> I learned that in the first service when I got through three verses. So uh, Dennis and I have already talked and there'll be more uh, Sundays to come uh, that I'll be preaching until I can get through these first six chapters. But even so, let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife 
and divisions? Are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, even as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, I'm thankful for the privilege to stand before your people and share your word. Thank you for this letter and for all we've covered up to this point in four weeks. 
Oh, but today, Lord, today, in this moment, please may your Holy Spirit do a work in this room. Please, Lord, may you examine us. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Challenge us today from your word, Lord. Move us toward maturity in Christ. Bless this time together. Thank you for it, and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so after Paul... moves from chapter 2 and, and talks about these deeper truths. And he talks about this quenching of the Holy Spirit. He starts in chapter 3, uh, verse 1, and he says this, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, those who are mature in the faith, But I had to speak unto you as carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So, there are four types of man. On the spiritual spectrum, there are four types of men that Paul mentions in this letter. We've already talked about some. Number one is the natural man. Look back at chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is the unsaved Man. He's the unregenerate man. He does not know Jesus Christ is his personal Savior. John 3 3 says, Except a man be born again or born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The natural man has not received this new birth, he is unsaved. The second type of man, is listed in this verse, verse 1, that we just read. The carnal man, the newborn Christian, the newly saved one. The Spirit resides in him, but he's young in the faith. This is brand new to him, and there's growth to do. He needs the milk of the word, the basic teaching, and the foundational principles of the word. So what does that mean? What is the milk of the word? What does that mean? Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on unto perfection. Let us move on toward maturity, 
We're going to leave these foundational principles behind. And then he lists what they are. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That is the repentance of sin. The realization that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus Christ. And I need salvation. Of faith toward God. That is salvation. Of the doctrine of baptisms. That is the uh, discussion, especially among the early church, of the difference between the baptism of John the Baptist. Was that enough? Christian baptism. And so on. Infant baptism. And of the laying on of hands. And of the resurrection of the dead. The assurance of heaven. And of eternal judgment. Hell is real. This is an exhortation to move on from the basics and move toward maturity that is brought about by a work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer as he or she learns the deeper truths of Scripture. It's time to move on from one point to another. They haven't done that yet. These are the carnal, the newborn Christians. These are the things they still need to be pounded into them, invested into them as they grow in the faith and are ready to move on to those deeper truths we talked about last week. Got milk? The um, milk people have done an incredible job of marketing. You think of just about anyone who's anyone, they've probably been in a milk ad with that white milk mustache. Want to be a superhero? Drink milk. That's the message. Want strong bones, strong teeth? Want to be a strong person? Drink milk. We had a dog. She passed away uh, back in October. Uh, But wonderful, wonderful, wonderful dog. And our veterinarian told us Don't give her milk. Milk isn't good for her. There's a reason for that. Do you realize that human beings are the only species who continue to drink milk after they're weaned? Mammals are weaned and never drink milk again. They move on to hamburger. That's what my dog wanted. They move on to solid food. They're not going back to their mom looking for milk. Now, if you provide milk to your adult dog or cat, they may drink it. But that's not what they're looking for. They want something with substance in it. Well, the only species 
that continues to drink milk. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I give the milk people a ton of credit. They do a great job of marketing. My son is 25. He still drinks milk. That's fine. He loves milk. He loves milk in his root beer. He loves milk in his cereal. He loves straight milk with a whole lot of chocolate syrup in it. But he likes milk. I drink silk. All right. I drink fake milk. All right. It's not real because I don't know if this is the case with everyone, but I can tell you from personal experience. Milk doesn't sit well with me anymore. If I drink milk, I hear about it all morning. Because my stomach is talking to me. Milk does not sit well with me anymore. And I think for most adults, that tends to be the case. Baby Christians need the milk of the word. But they eventually need to be weaned from it and get into these deeper truths of Scripture. I may not be Batman, but I can be in my faith. I can be in my faith. Why milk? Peter wrote this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. These basic teachings, these foundational principles should grow the young believer in his faith and whet his appetite for something more. There should be a point where we're like my dog. I'm done with milk. Give me the hamburger. Give me the steak. That's how we should be as Christians. You know what? I've grown to a certain point in my Christian life. I'm ready for the meat of the word. So grow me. That's discipleship. Talk about that in a second. The newborn Christian is not the end goal. Can I repeat that for a moment? Because we rightly, we rightly pray for the salvation of family and friends. But salvation is not the end goal. We rejoice and we praise the Lord over salvation of a loved one. But there's more. You remember there's this process of being saved? This process is that moment of salvation that grows through the years to the point of maturity. We want to see people saved and in a growth process to becoming mature believers in Christ. That's what we want. That's what we pray for in this process. The process of being saved. Number three. The carnal, willful man. Look at verse two. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. 
For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are still carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? This word in verse 3, for ye are yet carnal, ye are still carnal. This word is different from the word in verse 1. It's similar. They both mean of the flesh. You are of the flesh. As a newborn Christian, you're still of the flesh. You need to grow out of that. This man is the one who hasn't moved forward. Years have passed. Paul says, I still have to give you milk. I can't give you solid food. You can't accept it. You're not ready for it because you're not growing. You're not moving forward in this process of maturity. That's an issue. We need to change that. It's characterized by a fleshly minded man. Here, sin is still present. And let me, let, let me get, put you at ease. Paul himself said he still warred in his flesh. All of us would consider Paul a spiritual man. And yet Paul confessed in Romans that he warred within himself. It was a battle at times. So even as mature Christians, we live in an earthly tent with a fallen nature. We are saved by God's grace alone. We're sinners saved by God's grace. So when we talk about the word perfect in the King James, the better word is mature. There's something evident here. But for the carnal, willful person, and that's the difference in the word from verse 3 and verse 1. Verse 3 talks about this willfulness, this desire not to give up certain things. This, if you see a natural man and a carnal, willful Christian, you're not really recognizing the difference. Except the one professes Jesus Christ as Savior. Oftentimes when it's convenient. Or around people who he's not threatened by. There should be a big difference between the believer and the unbeliever. I was with I was with a group of uh, pastors recently. Uh, there were four, four pastors and myself, and um, we we're having lunch together. And I, you know, I'm preaching through the first six chapters of First Corinthians, so I know I'm going to get to chapter three. And 
Because of that, I decided just to ask a question. Okay. My question was this. What is the percentage of people within your church that you would classify as carnal? I'll tell you why I asked it. There are, uh, if I, and this number may be wrong, it probably changes by the week, but last I heard there were about 144 churches in Charles County. That's about one church for every 1,000 people. If that math, if I just use that math, there's still about 12,000 more people out there who may go to church in Prince George's County or the city or, or somewhere else. Okay. But the truth is, uh, there's a large natural population, right? There's a large unsaved population. So we realize the math is automatically wrong. But just go with the one church uh, for every 1,000 people for a moment. I, I, I think to myself, if that's right, and we have so many, we have some good churches in this county. We have some good pastors in this county. So why is this not a spiritually vibrant, and let me pause for a moment, I love Charles County. We have wonderful people here. But I know the issues, okay? I see the issues every day. They come across my phone, they come across my screen when I'm at work. I know the issues in this county. Why is this not a more spiritually vibrant community? Why isn't there just, why can't I go to the store and people are just praising the Lord in the aisles together? Hey, brother, God bless you. Hey, you know what I mean? You get that? Here's the response I got to my question What percentage of people? in your churches, would you classify as carnal? Oh, it's high. 80%, one pastor said. 80%, four out of five people in his church, he would classify as the pastor as carnal. One of them said, this is the greatest frustration of my ministry. Agonizing over the spiritual condition of my people and desiring to see growth. And they stay stuck back here. That's not how it was designed to be. That's not how God designed it to happen. We should be moving on toward maturity in Christ. By the way, before I move on, there's a debate in the evangelical church of whether these people are even saved. There's a debate in the church as to whether the carnal, willful man is even saved. And the best I can say is this. You are getting the Steve Salvis response to that right now. I'm not preaching Bible here. I'm giving you what I believe is the case. 
based on what I know of this book. There must be, there must be some evidence of a response to the gospel message. There must be a confession and repentance of sin and a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. But remember this, it's not just a one-time event. Words do not save. Faith saves. Faith in Jesus Christ alone saves. Anyone can say a prayer. Anyone can say words. You mean it with your life. You live it with your life. This is an ongoing process. So here's my thought. There's no flaunting of sin, but rather a sensitivity to sin and a confession of faith when we, or of uh, a confession of sin, a recognition of sin when we fail. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, Christian, this is for the Christian. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just." And he will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There must be some type of sensitivity to sin. If someone is flaunting sin, I would question their salvation. If they are flaunting sin, I don't know that I could believe they would be saved. The true believer, though perhaps carnal, should at least be desiring to move forward. But something may be keeping him back. Then finally, of the four types of men on the spiritual spectrum, there's the spiritual, the spiritually mature man who has an understanding and an application of the word in his life. Look back at chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, that is the mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Look at verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit of God searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 15, but he that is spiritual judges or discerns all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. The spiritual man is a discerner. He's an applier of the scriptures to his life. And he's living in a mature way. There's self-control. The fruits of the spirit are evident in his life. I would say especially self-control. 1209. Three verses. So here's how I end. Examine yourself. In this moment, right now, in this moment, right now, examine 
yourself. Where are you on this spiritual spectrum? Where are you right now? Don't answer out loud. Are you a natural man? You're separated from Jesus Christ because you haven't placed your faith in him yet? If so, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you right after this service. Please, come see me, see Dennis, see Jack, see Matt, see someone. We want to talk to you. We want to share how you can know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. If you do not know him, may today be the day. If you are a newborn Christian, if you are new in your faith, I want to talk to you. Come see me. I want to connect you with someone. Are you aware that the pastoral team is uh, working toward a discipleship ministry so that our people can be connected with someone who is mature in their faith and who can disciple a younger believer? And see them move on in the process. That's what we want to happen. So if you're that newborn, carnal Christian, come see me. See Dennis. See Tim. We will connect you with someone who can walk with you through your faith. Pray with you. Encourage you. And grow you into those deeper truths. If you are the carnal, willful man. You've been saved for years and yet there's no progress in your life. That's a tough admit. I'm asking you to be honest with yourself. 80% in one church, I can't imagine but if that is you, I want to talk to you. Are you getting the message that I want to talk to every one of you? <laughs> if that is you, I want to talk to you. I want to pray for you. I want to talk to you about what's holding you back from moving forward in your faith. I want to connect you with someone who's not only going to disciple you, but hold you accountable in your Christian life. And if, you're, if you would put yourself in the spiritually mature man, put yourself in the spiritually mature category, God bless you. I want to talk to you. <laughs> we need people who will disciple others. You are the one. You are the ones. The spiritually mature people need to stand alongside someone in the younger faith, in the willful part of faith. People who need to move forward. I promise you that if you disciple others, you will be blessed and you will grow in your own faith during the process as well. But you need to be investing in the lives of people here. And I would say this too. If you would say, 
I'm a spiritually mature person, but I don't want to be involved in discipleship. I'm, I really don't want to invest. I don't, I don't want to disciple someone. That does not match. Spiritually mature person is not going to say that. It doesn't match up. So I challenge you today. Examine yourself, please. Get connected in our discipleship ministry. Mature, invest in those who are younger. Unsaved, I need to talk to you today before you leave. Immature because you're new in the faith or unwilling to move forward at this point. We need to get you connected. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that in this moment, in this quiet moment, your Holy Spirit would move and convict and reveal move the hearts of people and move us all toward maturity in our faith in Jesus Christ, Lord. This Christian life is not about just staying in one place, being saved and then being stuck. It's about moving forward. May we do just that, dear God. May we do just that. May your will be done here this morning. Thank you for your presence in Jesus' name.